Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. Bienvenido de nuevo al nuevo podcast de Kids on the Block. ¿Cómo está? Espero haber estado bien. Ciertamente te extrañamos. Ya tú sabes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. How have you been? We've missed you. I did a special Spanish intro today uh, because... <laughs> We have uh, one of our fellow uh, uh, podcasters and my partner in crime, the Crypto Yoda Yidu, coming back from La Dominicano. Ya tu sabe, amigo. ¿Qué pasó? Uh, uh, muy bien. Uh, uh, ¿Cómo estás? That, that's how much Spanish I've learned on this trip. You know, you, you had me beat there. You did. You did a good job. You did. It. My Spanish is terrible as well. I I, I took French in in uh, I guess graduate level high school mm. and stuff like that but uh spanish much more useful um very true especially in the u.s so so let me get this straight and we got it we got to settle this before we jump into any like podcast okay. related stuff you went to the dominican republic and you didn't have mama Juana. <laughs> can you explain yourself to the listeners i i, I think uh, this is probably my biggest fomo i've had in the past <laughs> six months including crypto um <laughs> Yeah, I think I just didn't like I didn't know. First of all, I, I didn't know about this train going to Dominican Republic, uh, which is probably on me. Um, and then when I went into the country, I was traveling um, there for actually a work trip, but it was like a semi vacation. Right. So it was mm -hmm. we took a bus um, from the airports into the resorts in um, Punta Cana, uh, which is one of the more popular touristy area. And then on the bus over there, um, the, the tour guide was saying, oh, you guys gotta, you guys are here. You better drink some mamawana. And at that point, I, I thought it was just like a made-up drink. I was like, what is mamawana, right? I just didn't pay any attention. I, I was tired. I was jet-lagged. And I don't and, smoke and, illegal drugs, sir. I don't right, smoke right. illegal drugs. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, I mean, and then I just didn't, it didn't occur to me that I should have tried it. And then I went and came back. When we talked uh, offline, you mentioned, oh, did you try Mamawana? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the drink that the tour guy was raving about that I didn't even bother to ask at the resort, which I could have drunk like 10 of them if I wanted. You could have drank so, 100 of them. And I and I yeah. speaking as someone who has drank 100 of them probably at some point. Or, so I've been I've been in the Dominican Republic four times. And wow. for listeners that don't know what Mamawana is, it's like this spiced rum that they add like red wine, honey, and like other kind of mixtures. I don't know, like tree bark in there for all I know. You know, they, they're in these crazy bottles. Um, and they, you know, they have this special toast that they do in the DR mm -hmm. and you missed all of it. Um, I know, I know. And I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. The, the, the key thing to Mama Wana when you drink it is you drink it and then you go and you make a lot of little baby Yodas, you know, <laughs> that run around. It's supposed to help you as an aphrodisiac. How you been, man? Other than that, I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, and as you can see from the little chat window, I'm a little bit tanned. A little bit, um, yeah. I did I did not have any mamawana, but I did get a lot of sunshine while I was in Dominican Republic. Um, so that was nice, and um, yeah, I think um, it was nice to kind of 
just tune out for a little bit, go to a new place, a new country that I have never been before, and just enjoy some time off, you know, take my mind off things a little bit. So that was nice. That green card's nice. I ain't come and go oh, as man. you please now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the moment when I came in through the, cost, the U.S. customs, just uh, flashing their green card, that, that feels amazing. That's a thing of beauty. That's a thing oh, of yeah. beauty, man. Well, I'll tell you on my side, I've, I've, I've been lost without you. I've, as you can see, I've, I have no more facial hair. Oh, I've, what a I've, shame. R.I.P. Fodi's uh, facial hair. My beard is gone. I look like a child. Um, I feel like a child. Um, but for, for the listeners... Um, if you haven't tuned in in a couple of weeks, it's just been because it's a hectic summer. Summer schedules have been hectic. Um, me and you two have both been working nonstop and there's vacations coming up. My honeymoon's coming up. So we're going to do our best to put out as much content as we can for you guys over the course of the summer. But let's be honest, aside from just, um, you know, the general up and down of this market and some, some small kind of news that's perpetuating, nothing has been Super exciting. I think people have been touching grass, right? You do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely touched a little bit of grass when I was in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so make sure I did at least once a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I guess, jumping into this thing here, um, you know, it's uh, the year of our Lord, 2022, Wednesday, July 27th. And the Fed has raised interest rates again in an effort to fight the crippling inflation that we're facing in our country, uh, in the U.S. here, which is propagating across global markets, um, another 75 basis points. Um, so what are your thoughts and will this actually work? I think this is probably totally expected. And mm -hmm. uh, we can expect more hikes like this for the remainder of the year. Um, 75 basis points is probably nothing like if anything if you look at the market today actually pumped yep. on on the news um i think it why was, is that though why is that like I, I think it's always like remember yesterday was a red day and um i feel like whenever there's any big news like on the eve of the big news coming out people tend to um you know usually they tend to tend to sell um sell the news actually by the uh, sorry uh, sell the rumor by the news in this case um, and the fact that it's only 75 basis points, people are like, oh, you know, it's not as bad. You know, we already expected this. So nothing earth shattering coming out of the feds today. So basically all the, the bad news has already been internalized. Um, so ends up, you know, ends up being a green day for us today. So it's priced kind of priced into the market exactly. in a sense. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think, um, I think there's it, it's it's the weirdest thing ever because like you know if you listen to like Jerome Powell and like what's been going on everyone just talks about like uh well it'll be difficult to fight recession and we're doing our best to fight recession and stuff like that but so what well, little known fact maybe to some of the listeners and maybe to you do as well is that I was an economics major in college mm. as if that means anything <laughs> but um, what I did learn in a textbook, um, which is actually um, it, as GDP shrinks over a period of multiple quarters, that is technically a recession. So we're yeah. technically in a recession now. Well, right? well although did you see that uh, White House, um, I guess, announcement? They're trying to like redefine the definition of recession. Mm. 
Um, I, I thought it was a little bit questionable um, how they're trying to almost rewrite history books or economic books mm. to make them look a little bit, little bit better. Uh, I mean, recession is a recession, right? You can't just say, oh, technically, you know, it's it's not really two quarters of, of economic shrinking that defined it. So, but yeah, just a side note, I thought it was interesting that, you know, everything can get political these days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's be clear. We are in a recession, um, technically, um, although um, the dollar is probably the strongest that it's ever been. Uh, good time for me to be traveling to Europe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that is a, obviously a, a macro byproduct of the fact that inflation is so high, yeah. right? And that yeah. a majority of global economies do settle in US dollars, right? right? So right. the cost of doing business is so high, thus the US dollar is high. If you're into Forex, you came to the wrong place because I'm probably describing this terribly, but... Um, no, no, no. Actually, speaking of that, I, I didn't pay any attention to the market when I was in DR. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I noticed was, which made me chuckle is that when I go to a local store, um, actually it was a, a fast food chain in a, in a Punta Cana airport, um, there's a sign you know, displaying at the at the front of the store saying that one dollar equals to one euro, and we honor that kind of you know exchange rate, which may, which I thought was really funny. It's like this is probably the the best peg we have seen in the past twelve months. You know, one peg equal uh, one one dollar equals to one euro. That's how strong it is. So right now the dollar is point nine eight euros. So the dollar is stronger now than the euro, which uh, like... Wait, you mean weaker, right? Because that's less than... A little, little bit weaker, a little bit weaker. Yeah, a little, little bit weaker. Yeah. Um, but it was it was one-to-one at one it point, right? It was one-to-one right? point. Yeah. So, so the... I come... My family, not me personally, but my family comes from Greece, right? And I'm, I'm very used to... Um, growing up in an economy when I used to spend the summers in Greece, um, in a week with a weak currency, we used to have the drachma, which was, uh, the drachma, which was like, I don't know, it was like 3000 drachmas was like a dollar. Mm. Right. And you could have like crazy, you could have crazy hundred thousand drachma. You're dropping drachmas. Like you're like, you know, like P Diddy out there. Right. Like you're just, <laughs> you're just it's great. It was crazy. And it was, it was yeah. a great place to travel to if you were a foreigner because the currency was weak. Thus, we introduced the euro and the euro was like, I think it was like a dollar 60 at one point, dollar 65 per euro. Right. Um, and it just became incredibly expensive now to travel to, to not only to, to Greece, but to mm-hmm. Europe, right? Which, which yeah. is a country that relied primarily on uh, tourism as uh, its main economic factor. So. It's it's crazy to see how far it's dropped in like ten years, fifteen years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the weakening with Brexit and all that great stuff. But um, I don't know how we got down this path, but it's an interesting conversation. But yeah, seventy five basis points. Now, now the thing that I've I've heard that's interesting, and what they're trying to do to fight this talk of inflation, because inflation isn't here already, is that already by March of next year they're thinking of starting to cut interest rates again, mm-hmm. right? as a mechanism of a, of a, of a weaker economy and trying to, uh, to fight that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, what do you take? Is that, is that just additional FUD being thrown out by the fed, um, to, to ease consumer sentiment or. Like- yeah, I, I think, 
I think a lot of the stuff, um, bringing it back to my earlier points, things are more political than we think, and I think there is a strong incentives on the on the Fed's part, um, considering we're approaching here in the U.S. the midterm election uh, in November. Uh, I think one of the main narratives this year is is going to be for sure how well or bad did the 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 um, Biden administration try to curb inflation, and in a way, you know, the Fed needs to act in in the interest of of the administration because at the yep. in the end, it is a appointed politically appointee, um, uh, in, in Jerome Powell. So he needs to do, to do something at least on the surface to to make Biden even remotely you know capable of handling this crisis. Mm-hmm. So I think all of this this basis uh, this rate hikes you know seventy five basis points. Um, 25 basis points there is going to be more political than economic, in my opinion. And um, they, they have to slow down inflation, right? And how are they going to do that? They have to keep raising the interest rates throughout from now until probably November uh, after or even after the election. So in my mind, things what what the Fed is doing right now is more political than 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 economic economic purposes. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen come next year. Maybe hopefully inflation would will have slowed down by then, so that they can start going in the opposite direction to actually raise um, or you know boost the economy. Uh, because if they keep doing this, um, you know the economy is gonna be killed. So. I'm gonna again. I I'm a big proponent of believing that a majority of the shit that they teach you in college, you don't doesn't actually make any sense in the real world. But I'm gonna put on my Adam Smith and John Maynard Keynes hat again. Let's do it as an economist and say that does raising interest rates act. So the only way to kill inflation is to kill supply uh, demand, right? So it's, again, this is a big supply and demand curve here, yep. right? So you have supply, you have demand. The only way to kill it is to kill demand. So what do they say? We're going to raise interest rates mm-hmm. because interest rates will kill demand, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing, and if you look at the CPI and the consumer price index, right, and where things are actually growing the most are in consumer goods. How are they infected by rates? Well, there's a trickle-down effect in how um, you have uh, loans and how how you know various organizations take out loans and how that affects their bottom line. But I think what we're actually seeing is record profits being recorded by actual consumer, um, like you know retail mm-hmm. retail out there. That's mm-hmm. causing the price of things to go exponentially higher, right? So if you look on it, look at it from a macroeconomic perspective, does raising interest rates actually stop big retailers out there from selling things 20, 30% higher, even though their cost hasn't exponentially increased. That's, that's, I think that's the million dollar question. Uh, the the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> the, so the invisible hand that if, if you've ever taken any type of economics, like, you know, laissez-faire economy, it's a big, like conservative mm-hmm. type of like uh, concept, right? Like the invisible hand of the market will move. And as it moves, it will push people in and out, right? Depending right, on the right. strength of their business. Like the, the, in, there's no more invisible hand. There's, there's, there's an invisible missile that kills all of the middle class and shoots them and all of the, the top, you know, 
20% of businesses out there that have controls and monopolies and economies of scale and all that stuff can just charge exorbitant amounts of money. So I'm going to be really fascinated to see if these interest rate increases will actually do anything to stop inflation because yeah. we're, we're waiting to see the CPI get reduced every month. And we're like, hey, 75 basis points. Wow, that's right. unprecedented, right? Yeah. That's going to kill inflation. What happened the next month? It raised again by another point, right? It went from 8% to, to 9, 9.3 right. or, or something like that. So sigh, collective I, sigh. I think yeah. I think we, we kind of arrive at the same conclusion uh, from different avenues. Mm -hmm. like you, 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 you resorted to macroeconomics you know, Adam Smith, old school uh, economics to, to get to the same conclusion where I got to from my non-scientific, pure <laughs> conspiratorial um, theories, right? So wait, we're, yeah. we're trading roles here. I'm exactly. supposed to be, I'm supposed <laughs> to be that guy. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess it's interesting to see kind of how that that's all going to shake out. We'll be along with, for the ride with, uh, with everyone. So um, your guess is, is the, the funny thing, um, is just like how sheepish these markets are. I think, I guess on the last little coda that we can put on this is like, yeah. they say one thing and the market pumps right the next day. And then people realize, oh, well this actually, you know, things aren't actually that good. Uh, red day, red day, red day, red day. Right. Right. right so, right. I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen like to the, not only the crypto market, but also the traditional equities markets um that's going to be fascinating to behold let's talk about some more crypto stuff instead of some macro stuff yes so let's talk about pangolin have you heard of pangolin uh, like, like the little like the little animal that has like a hard shell that goes into the ground don't yeah. they eat don't, don't they eat them in asia that's a, that, I think during I, the, it might. Yeah. I, that was, I, that I, was like a rumor that that's how the uh, COVID started was that people were eating pangolins. No, but pangolin is a Dex that is on mm. avalanche. Um, yeah. so what do you know about pangolin? Yeah. Yeah. I, I used pangolin Dex uh, on avalanche, uh, before. And, um, I think this was when, right when, uh, avalanche started to got really popular last year. And, um, Pangolin was one of the first um, decentralized exchanges on on Avalanche blockchain, and uh, at the time when it came out, it was pretty much it. That's that you know that was the only Dex that was available. Mm -hmm. um, my experience for it, to be honest, has been a little bit underwhelming. Um, the user interface wasn't super helpful, and you have to like every time you trade a different pair, you have to manually search for you know. AVAX with Trader Joe, for example, uh, to, to find mm -hmm. your pair, which is super, uh, um, you know, um, what's the word? Um, cumbersome. And yeah, and then there are some other decks came along like uh, Trader Joe and, and then um, um, EODX um, and some other platforms that kind of took its place. Um, so yeah, are we getting any news? Well, yeah, so, 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 Pang so I guess, well, uh, the the interesting news is that they're moving to a new uh, blockchain, which is called Flare. Mm, uh, Flare at one point um, was called uh, Songbird, I want to say, or so something like that. Um, but it's touting it's it's a layer one blockchain um, platform that has a special focus on interoperability. So it's designed to. 
um, allow cross-chain token pairs. So I think um, one of the main pains <laughs> maybe that you expressed about not being able to easily search um, token pairs, um, not only within the Avalanche ecosystem, but across chains, um, uh, I think they're looking to remedy that um, mm. using Flare. Now, um, when I was kind of looking into... Um, Flare. I guess what I learned about it was that it's so really interesting thing. When we started this podcast a year ago, I was just kind of like the skeptic, and you know, I was I was a Scully, you were Molder, and we were going through that whole thing. I think my my roles kind of evolved a little bit to not only be dumb but to be a little bit technologically savvy. Um, so I kind of looked at some of this the code, um, mm. which is something that I do in my day job. So I started looking through um, their their white paper. Um, it looks like an EVM compatible type of uh you know ethereum virtual uh you know virtual virtual machine, uh, machine mm -hmm. compatible uh, uh blockchain they're using their own governance token that is not erc20 compatible um so <laughs> that's interesting so yeah they are, they are a evm chain yes. but their governance token is not evm compatible it's not erc20 that's really interesting. It's not, yeah. At least based on what their website says, right? So, you know, just digging through that. Now, the thing I'll say about this is it's interesting, um, you know, that 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 they're using Flare and interested to see how Flare works. Now, the thing about these types of blockchains um, that's a little concerning is um, when you have a blockchain like this and it has an original name and then mm -hmm. it scraps that name for another name, it screams that they're just trying to rebrand based yeah. off of marketing and not actually technology. That's the right. first thing. The second thing is I go to their website and they they have one of those websites where some of the links like go to empty pages. Oh God. Right. So I'm trying to look up like ba pretty basic things that are on their own website kind of hierarchy and it, they're not there. So, <laughs> um, that's not a good sign. Well, you know, the news hits and I think people will be like, oh, that's that's cool. Avalanche, another another decks, cross chain decks. Oh, everyone wants to be cross chain. That's amazing. Mm. Really cool stuff. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Let's look at the tech. The tech looks, looks a little I don't I'm not, I'm not trying to spread FUD. I, I haven't used it, but just looking into some of the into some of the, the code and it, it's just it's just a little fishy to me. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if. Like you said, you know, whenever there's um, a shifting in the marketing name, that's usually not a good sign. And mm -hmm. um, I know like cross chain is is all the hype these days, but who knows what they're going to try to do? You know, like hopefully just hopefully this won't become another rug. Yep. So I go to Flare uh, docs dot Flare dot network, and I look. Um, they have a you know under under their docs. Um, you click on technology and it's the first link right on their website technology. Mm -hmm. This section contains in-depth description of flares, technology and tools, and it's an empty fucking page. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I mean, to their credit, they, they have some stuff in here, like their, their infrastructure guides are, is empty as well. Oops. That was, that's not it. I was looking through their developer, their developer documents are there. Okay. Right, so this is where we they talk about, um, you know, like all the under underlying um, 
uh, you know, in architectures and stuff like that. They have some diagrams in here, which is cool. Some reference guides, but like, right. Right. Why even have those links there? I mean, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. Who builds stuff like this anyway, crypto folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about flair? We move on. Um, no, I think we can move on. Yeah, tu sabe. Okay, amigo. Next one. KuCoin <laughs> insolvency. Have you heard about this? I so I feel like it's been going on around for a while now, right? Is there any latest news that I haven't been caught up yet? So some guy came out on basically on the interwebs, more more uh, specifically that that crazy um, bird app. Um, that you may have seen out there, the, the, the mm-hmm. tweeter, the tweeter sphere, um, this Twitter's guy named, worse. yeah, the, 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 hellscape that is Twitter, <laughs> uh, guy came out on there called Otteru claiming he had inside information about the exchanges ongoing woes said that they are in debt up to 500 million. Um, wow. and basically posted a picture in like, you know, in Mandarin or something like that, that, you know, someone in some insider whistleblower mm-hmm. at KuCoin basically said that, that it's a mess there and everything's, you know, going to hell in a handbasket and, uh, that they were incredibly exposed to Luna and they had large positions in Luna and that the infection has spread even farther than people had anticipated. Right. Um, the CEO, Johnny Liu came out, uh, and, basically dispelled it all as FUD. I mm. think what we, uh, you know, that, that Otteru person on Twitter has deleted his account. Mm-hmm. So that account no longer exists. So people are kind of saying that, um, you know, it's, it is confirmed as FUD. Um, I don't know exactly the, the full breadth and scope of this, but for people that are unfamiliar, KuCoin is one of the most, um, you know, popular exchanges for like smaller coins out there right um so if you've never used kucoin um they have really good like trading like like native trading bots they have some really cool functionality in there um but they you know like kucoin is like one of the only places right now where you can like swap for xrp for example right so of course yeah that's how you knew about kucoin that's that's how i knew that's how i knew (laughs) yes exactly exactly Cierto, amigo. Yeah. But, um, uh, I mean, just what, I mean, what are your thoughts about, I mean, even if it's not true, I think, I think the interesting phenomenon here is that, um, with everything that happened with Luna, Celsius, Voyager, like the, that infection that had spread to everything. Right. Um, now it's so much more believable for a random, you know, you know, random picture of an otter on Twitter to come out and basically disp- like cause a whole bunch of turmoil over, um, you know, a very, very large exchange. Yeah. Right. I, so. I think that that just tells you how fragile, um, the market or people's perception of the market is good point. Um, yeah. I think basically if I were, I was actually looking at the, the, the thread, uh, it was written in Mandarin. So I was able to take a peek at it. And it looks like he, he actually, I mean, Johnny did, uh, came out and, um, kind of explained some of the points that was mentioned in Otteru's, uh, original tweet. And yeah, I mean, in my view, like if, if these exchanges are not insolvent, they're not, um, completely broken by now, they probably are okay because I, I do believe the worst is over. Um, and if famous they, last words, famous, famous last, last words, words, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
you know, I, we'll just have to wait and see, right? If they really are uh, on the verge of being solvent, you will see some actions, some market, market actions, like people are going to start withdraw money. And when people start withdraw money out of the exchange, you're going to see this, this kind of a liquid casca cascade, liquidation cascade uh, that takes place. So we're not seeing that as far as I'm, I, I know, as far as I'm concerned. So yep. I think they are probably okay. Are they doing well? Probably not, but um, they're Ooh, not. Right. Yeah, right. Nobody's yeah. really doing well in this market, but they're probably just um, getting by. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, I just thought, it, I mean, we're not ones to propagate FUD out there, I don't think. I just think that uh, the, the whole topic itself is interesting, right? Because people are still so shell-shocked from what happened with Luna that it's still having these ripple effects where, mm -hmm. you know, random people on Twitter can, <laughs> can just upturn yeah. everyone's day, uh, which is, which is insane. Now the, the skeptic in me is like, oh, well they threatened, um, you know, they threatened this. I don't know if you, um, if you saw this, this story with, uh, with Binance. Um, but there's a, there's this guy on Twitter. I read a whole thread about him where he, he basically bought the Binance.Canada <laughs> um i did see that like yeah. yeah he was like he was squatting on yep. the binance uh you know the the uh, domain the domain name yep. domain name and they offered to buy it from him for like four grand or something and he's like right. is this is worth like you know 100 200 grand or something like that right. and they they threatened to sue him and you know you can you can you can argue the the altruisticness of domain squatters and, and what they're all about but the fact of the matter is these people have lawyers right these large exchanges yeah. have lawyers and they even if it, if something that you're saying is potentially true and then right. you obtained it legally they can easily just try and sue you the little guy to get you you know off your perch if you right. will so, I think they can just drag you into a, a, a extended yeah. legal battle and then basically consume all of your resources. Yeah. And the only choice would be just giving up. Liquidate, my friend. Give me what exactly. I want. So uh, we don't know if that's true or not, but an interesting piece of information. For sure. Um, other interesting piece of information that I read out there was about uh, uh, NFTs. Have you, have you heard of those things? They're still yes. around. I'm, yeah. I'm, yes, I'm. I'm. I'm a very, um, very degen <laughs> NFT trader. So tell you're, me more. You're a degen NFT trader. So I was looking at like a chart about um, the ri the risers uh, and and losers of of the past couple weeks, and mm -hmm. Ethereum. Um, and I think they have a 15 billion market cap um, for mm -hmm. NFTs on the on the Ethereum blockchain, and then you have you know like. Uh, Solana's next, I think with 2 billion that they have worth of NFTs. And then you just have a bunch of others that are kind of hanging out there. You got Polygon, you got a couple others, right. um, a couple that I saw on there that were pretty interesting that I hadn't heard of before were Panini and flow. Have you heard of Panini, Panini and flow? Yeah. Yeah. So flow, I believe is the company that, um, technically popularized, um, NFT, um, sports, especially sports NFT card market last year, mm -hmm. uh, with you know, NBA Top Shot, they were able to establish themselves as, you know, one of the you know, main NFT sports card markets leader. And um, on the other hand, Panini is more of a traditional, um, like a sports card, sports trading card company. Uh, they own uh, the license to a bunch of sports teams and leagues. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I don't know, is Panini trying to enter the uh, NFT market now? 
Yeah, yeah. So they have they have a bunch of um um uh, they have a whole crypto market, crypto exchange, uh, public wow. auction. Um, now they're offering kind of um, they're taking advantage of their licensing to offer digital cards. So I'm looking um, right now at at, at uh, Panini. They have like you know crazy. You know they have like a Jamar Chase brand logo autograph mm-hmm. that's currently being auctioned at about forty two grand um, um, digitally. So they have like. Um, you know, they have instant cards. They have like, you know, they have like packs almost that you can open up. Right. right? Um, right. if you're, if you're familiar with that. So, um, pretty cool to see, um, I guess the memorabilia aspect, right. The collector mm-hmm. acts aspect of, um, NFTs and, and how their utility is being, uh, you know, it's growing in popularity to be, to be quite frank. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty big market if you think about it like i'm yeah. talking about the sports trading cards um like i think you and i all understand you know how much value we put into these kind of cards especially as sports fans you know these mm-hmm. are kind of like if i tell you you can own a, one of the one of one or one of ten unique sports cards uh for your favorites soccer or basketball stars you know how much money would you be willing to put into there like for me, it's it's a lot, right? And yeah. imagine like if you can put it on blockchain, you can own it like remotelessly um, through a, a digital cards uh, with some sort of verifiable traits, metadata. Uh, I think it's going to be even more, you know, easily transferable. And also like you can, you, you're like digitally, you have the digital ownership of those cards. So I think it, it takes the ownership of the sporting cards to a next level. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool to see. Um, speaking of kind of NFTs, NFT adjacent news coming out that Polygon has been chosen by Disney to um, help them build their um, NFT AI and essentially their their uh, metaverse related uh, right. products out there. So listen, um, we haven't talked a lot about Polygon as kind of a layer two uh, solution out there, but um, Polygon is kind of one of, I guess, my favorite uh, coins out there. Um, ticker symbol is Matic, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with it, if you haven't heard about it, I would certainly look into it. Um, but it had jumped, um, let's see, a couple weeks back over 20% um, based mm-hmm. on this news. Um, it trades at just around, you know, 70 cents to a dollar, I think, at its peak. I think at its peak, it's probably closer to two dollars. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Polygon as a as a layer two scaling solution out there? I think if you um, if you ask uh, like Ethereum Maxi person, uh, if we get Gabriel on, he's probably gonna yell at you again <laughs> because Polygon is not layer two; it's more of a side chain. Mm, um, but okay. I'm not Gabriel, so I think we're good. Um, <laughs> So thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the the reason why it's not really um a technical layer two is that it's it's more um I think the it has to do the way it was written in the code. It's not technically they're not like creating another roll-up, like a ZK roll-up or optimism roll-up. Uh, but I'm getting sad try tracked. So the question is why what do we think about the the, the polygon? collaboration with Disney. I think it's it's great news for, for the ecosystem. And uh, I'm glad they picked um, Polygon as opposed to some, you know, 
some other blockchains that we never heard of. Uh, at least Polygon is a Matic is a pretty reliable. You know, it's been around for for a while and it's very cheap to use uh, because it's a side chain. Um, you can easily trade or trade NFTs or coins on Matic uh, on Polygon for a fraction of the dollar, and you know. Yeah, just overall, it seems like a win-win, right? You get more popularity, you get more, um, you know, visibility in the market, and Disney get to, you know, take a a step into the Web three world. So it's a win-win. Yeah, and there's some news out there that there, um, if you if you've um, there's a transaction aggregator out there called Whale Stats. Um, so if you guys ever want to want to uh, kind of follow some good people on Twitter. Um, there's a number of cryptocurrency wallets with the root name of Blue Whale that have been splurging hundreds of millions of dollars on um, discounted altcoins at the time. And one whale spent um, $4.2 million to acquire over 5 million um, Polygon tokens. Mm. Uh, and this, this has happened as recent as today. So, um, you know, my, my, my belief and, uh, faith in whales has diminished substantially since uh, three AC went under. Yeah. Can't trust anybody. These days. Can't trust anybody. This used to be like a kind of a, a leading indicator though. Right. When you, when you see some, some large whales buying, you know, and spending a ton of money on, um, on some so, of these uh, layer two solution or yeah. sorry. These, some of these altcoins, side chains, right? yes. yeah, side um, chains, yeah. So I, I do have my my own theory on this. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think traditionally, sure. You know, if you have like a whale um, that's buying investments or portfolio, um, you know, opportunities, usually it's a leading indicator. However, because of the nature of of blockchain, because of the um, the the pure transparency and on chain analytics. All of that, it it almost becoming useless. Like, what I mean by that is is like the whale they can they can fake you out, right? They know that you're looking at their wallet. They know uh, you're gonna be you know observing you know pretty much twenty four seven what's going on in the wallet. Sometimes they would intentionally make these moves to to trick people into buying. It's almost like a like a like a bull trap um, to attract retail to go aping. And then as soon as the, the retail A ping, they just, you know, took their exit liquidity. Yeah, it could so, be. That yeah. that assumes that there's still retail investors out there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, the 15 retail investors were still trading shit coins, you know. Yeah. I see yeah. this whale buying, I might as well use my two hundred dollars <laughs> of savings and buy into Matic. Oh man, those poor people are in for it, I tell you. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, uh, a lot, lot of news out there about Polygon. Um, there's this like famous robot as well, which is like a trading bot that's that's been outperforming markets. That's been uh, loading up on Ethereum, um, Solana, BNB, and uh, and and Polygon. Oh, so yeah. it's uh, accumulation season for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, Polygon, really cool. Um, really cool to see um, the the. Um, the, the, the splurge into the metaverse. Speaking of the metaverse, have you heard that the FTC has recently sued Meta and that Rain Man, Mark Zuckerberg? No, I, I have not. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if people are trying to, to get well, a piece I'm sure of he it. gets sued a lot. Yeah, yeah. to be fair to him. Um, but the, yeah, the Federal Trade Commission filed a lawsuit against Meta and the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, in an attempt to stop 
the uh, you know social media company essentially mm. from its ultimate goal of owning the entire metaverse. I think right. um, this was something that we were we've always been worried about. Right. right, you do is like we've been talking about it for months. It's like like Meta is good and and bad because they're good yep. they're good for mainstreaming like the metaverse yep. and like all the investment in the technology and moving it forward. But again, with the ultimate goal that they want to own everything and all the digital advertisement that comes with it and all of the commercial opportunities that come with it. So, um, you know, not a shock, I, I imagine. But, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, on FTC trying to put the kibosh on this quick? I think it's good. That's good. That's good for the overall health of the growth of the um you know web3 world um i think i've said this before on the podcast we cannot have a single entity monopolizing the entire um, trajectory of the of the industry uh, i think facebook did that in the web2 world yep. 20 years 30 years ago um you know microsoft microsoft did it even even longer ago we cannot have a, another entity that becomes the, the single source of you know, monopoly uh, in the web free world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think there are two things going on. There's the regulatory pressure for 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 Meta to to not do it, to not monopolize. But um, I think on the ground level, there's a lot more pr uh, projects, uh, new activities going on. That's also going to kind of undermine the um, the monopoly of of Meta, which is also good. Yeah, and I mean, just like what what I've seen, I guess in my own personal experiences um, is a ton of job openings by Facebook where some hiring has been slowing down. They mm -hmm. have been exponentially increasing um, their hiring specifically on the meta verse related stuff. They've been right. trying to scoop up a lot of the Coinbase, <laughs> you know, uh, devs that have gotten uh, retracted got offers, yeah. got laid off. And, and so, I mean, you can tell that they're ramping up heavily and I mean, if you if you look at their track record, I mean, this is nothing new, right? They they nope. bought WhatsApp for nineteen billion um, back in two thousand fourteen. They bought mm -hmm. Instagram for one billion, mm -hmm. which looks like such a bargain oh, in, for sure. in today's day and age, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they they did try to consolidate a lot of social media um, into into their their kind of portfolio, um, and it's not, you know, not without, without reason, I guess, for us to be worried about them uh, trying yeah. to consolidate this. I think, I think what the ultimate worst case scenario is for Facebook to acquire BlockFi, uh, Coinbase mm -hmm. and all these like big lenders, and they're going to become like this kind of the web three, um, monopoly, you know, that's basically controls the finance, the information, just everything. Right. And I think they have the cap, uh, cap, uh, capability to do so, but I really don't want to see that to happen, right? Like yeah. Imagine if if Facebook uh, acquires BlockFi and then issues their own credit card and then basically making us all use crypto to pay for services provided by, by Facebook. That would be like the most dystopian scenario for me. Yeah, we live, we live in the darkest uh, timeline, I think, is what I'm coming around to. But uh, speaking of uh, Coinbase laying people off, uh, last piece of news, I guess, that we can uh, we can talk about this week is that piece of hot flaming garbage that Coinbase put out there called the DGen Trilogy Part 1. Have it's you so seen bad. this? It's so, it's so <laughs> bad that I watched the first 10 seconds. I decided oh to my. turn that shit off. 
God, it's so bad. Uh, I'll post uh, the link to to the to the YouTube uh, in the in the show notes yeah. for people if they want to go and actually listen to this. Right. I think the only this. thing that that rivals that um that you know terrible video is um Mark Zuckerberg's sister who did a video, a web three video a few months ago. Uh, if you haven't seen that one. Don't go see it. Let's see Don't go. Oh, I haven't seen that. I don't want to see it now. What is? What does she do? Like, what's she, the? She basically did like a like a web three. Uh, she made a song. It's called uh, "Wag Me." So basically, oh. it's a song you know, that put a bunch of like crypto lingo into the song. It was it was just terrible, terrible. So, um, so I wouldn't recommend any of our, uh, listeners to go and watch this unless they're like, actually want to see like how like objectively funny it is and how right. terrible it is. What I will mention is that a couple of the big, um, you know, like crypto personalities out there did comment on it. So, um, Peter McCormick, uh, came out and said, your agency must've been rubbing their hands together when you bought this pitch. Right. Which was the first one. Um, Coin Corners, Danny Scott came out and said, can't believe I wasted five minutes of my life watching this. I'm more confused at the end than when it started. What's the point of this video? <laughs> right. And uh, Swan's Corey Clifton came out uh, just with a uh, uh, <laughs> just with a picture on Twitter. He tweeted out the DJ trilogy part two. And it's a picture of a guy holding a, a, a a piece of paper that says bankruptcy chapter 11. So, <laughs> so uh, not well received out there. I think yeah. the more, the thing that's even more, um, you know, adding insult to injury about all of this is that Facebook, um, sorry, Coinbase had spent, um, you know, millions of dollars to create their NFT marketplace. It's something that we reported on. Uh, right. Nobody, nobody's using it. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And they must have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this piece of hot garbage here, too. So uh, not really sure what they're doing, but really bad looks yeah. um, when it comes to laying off their employees. The fact that they're under inv investigation by the SEC, yep. the fact that they're tracking their their users um, information and selling it off to governmental entities and the insider you know, trading of the um, their listing team. Yes. You know, it's also yep. got called by it by the SEC. That's yeah. Uh bunch of terrible stuff going on. And then they put this piece of garbage out. I don't know if it was an attempt to make people laugh and like them more, but uh it, it did not have that effect on me. So Yeah. Do I feel like Coinbase. I feel like Coinbase is gonna become the the netscape of the crypto era. Oh, you know, they're gonna just basically go to zero and then just we're going to have something completely different rise from the ashes. I hope so. I hope that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's going to be FTX and our boy, Sam, right? Yeah. He's going to rise out of the ashes. He's consolidating now. He's yep. got billions. He's chilling on waiting for this stuff to unfold. F FTX US. It's going to be the, the new yep. thing. You know, yep. it's going to start owning the, the United States of America. <laughs> Good old Sam living in the Bahamas. You should have stopped over and said what up to him. Uh, while you were down there in the DR. Um, so I think that's probably a good place to, to wrap it. I guess just a little piece of um, like housekeeping. Um, I am leaving next week um, to go on my honeymoon for three weeks. So hopefully we can get one more pod in before we go. Um, yeah. And then hopefully we can get some some decent content intermittently. Maybe someone comes and fills in for me and, and chats with you uh, for a couple of the weeks. Or maybe we do some recordings 
kind of asynchronously because we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll be, we'll be creative about it. About we'll the be creative. Well, we're going to figure out some stuff uh, so that we can get some content out uh, to yeah. some of you folks. And um, yeah, just really, really humbled and um, really happy that, you know, I mean, when we started this thing, it was for fun. Now people are actually hitting me up saying, Hey, where's the pod? I'm missing right, the pod. Right. Um, which is such a, such a great feeling. Um, and we're, we're, we're truly honored and humbled to, to speak about tech technology, finance, um, everything that's going on in bl uh, blockchain and, and the crypto space. So thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anything in closing there, Mr. Yoda? Um, adios. Adios. Oh, you finally, you knew a couple more words, you liar. And with that, we'll see you next time. Stay safe out there, Space Cowboys. Take it easy. What is on the street? You found someone. I guess now it goes to dominance.